eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Time once again for instant analysis. This one, a men's basketball version of IA. Following the Alabama Crimson Tide 71-64 loss in the Sweet 16 round of the NCAA Men's Basketball Tournament, this one at the hands of the fifth-seeded San Diego State Aztecs. Travis Ryer back with you here on Instant Analysis. And really, Alabama struggles started on the offensive end in the first half and then came a big counterpunch from the Aztecs in the second half. And those things went a long way in ending the Crimson Tide season at 31 wins and six defeats. Now, in the aftermath, I know some Alabama fans will point to how the game was officiated and true to college basketball standards. I thought it was its usual consistently inconsistent performance from those in the striped shirts. And while whistles were quick and coming in the first half, not so much in the second 20 minutes. Still, when it was all said and done, Alabama had a nine-point lead in the second half, seemingly in control, and immediately the Crimson Tide gives it up. And with how San Diego State plays defense, a 12 to nothing run for those guys is like giving up a 22 to nothing run to another team because it feels like you're going to need twice as many possessions to make up the deficit. And that's before taking care of business on the defensive end and on the backboards is taken into account. Ultimately, when Alabama didn't secure a couple of critical 50-50 balls there in the second half, it was really punished for it. Alabama also missed a handful of free throws, and really the perimeter didn't come on for this team until it was too late. Speaking of which, I thought it was interesting that UA, down two with 45 seconds to go, decided to foul in that situation instead of play it out through the shot clock, see if you can get a rebound, maybe tie it up on the other end. And who knows, I haven't heard from Nate post game. I'm doing this without that benefit. Maybe he didn't want that from Ryland Griffin, but it happened, the foul did. And the problem with it was that San Diego State is not a bad free throw shooting team. So really, when you think about it, though, the struggles began in the first half again as Brandon Miller, Javon Quinterly combined for six points in the first 20 minutes. He, of course, had the foul trouble for Brandon. He picks up two in the first four or five minutes of the game. He comes back later in the half, but he wasn't much of a factor in those first 20 minutes. He also had the flagrant one on JQ. When Alabama had a possession lead there in the first half, And that seemed to just squash any momentum Alabama might have been building, especially with Miller on the bench because the finish to the half from that point forward of JQ's F1, 
it just wasn't good. You had San Diego State scoring 12 of the final 16 points before the break, and really defense wasn't a problem for the Crimson Tide. Alabama actually forced a turnover on the Aztecs' final possession of the first half, only to fail to get a shot in transition on the other end. And really, I thought that sequence where Javon wasn't able to get up a shot there working to the other end of the court kind of summed up Alabama's offensive struggles before the break. And while the San Diego State lead at that point was just five, the harsh reality was that the end of the season loomed a mere 20 minutes away for the Crimson Tide. And no secret at that point, right? Alabama had to get Brandon Miller and JQ going. There was no ifs, ands, and buts about it. And the sooner that happened, the better. Because as much as we can talk about the depth of this Alabama team, the confidence of it hinged on Miller and Quinterly scoring and or facilitating scoring when you're talking about the offensive end of the floor. Defensively, this team did a nice job really for the most part throughout the season. Even when things weren't going well on the offense, they maintained connectivity on the defensive end. And then that spark came. It happened. It came from both Brandon Miller and Javon Quinterly there in the second half. An early three from Brandon spurred an 11-2 run that had Alabama up 34-30. Quinterly hits a three, and an invigorated Crimson Tide had its at 45 to 37 margin went to nine at 48 39 and that's when everything just seemed to go sideways unfortunately just when you're anticipating another win perhaps by double digits for Alabama in this tournament San Diego State's Darian Trammell he eases around a ball screen it was too easy really and he hits a three He follows that up with a steal and a layup that cuts the Alabama lead to 48-44. San Diego State then missed a shot in the paint. Sears gets poked in the eye, can't come up with the aforementioned critical 50-50 ball, one of a couple that went San Diego State's way there in the second half. The Aztecs get an extra possession, and it's Trammell again around a ball screen again. For three, another three in the face of a late arriving transition defense from Alabama. And what do you know? It's 51 48 Aztecs, 12 0 run, San Diego State back in the lead, and you knew it was a problem. Now at 53 50, you've got two blocks of Javon Quinterly at the rim. Credit San Diego State for that. SDSU with seven blocks of Alabama shots in the second half alone. Trammell scores again, pushes it back out to 55-50. Sears gets a much-needed bucket to cut it to three at 55-52. And here's another one of those 50-50 situations. Nick Pringle with Noah Clowney, saddled by four fouls, gets a defensive board. But he cradles it, brings it down to around his waist, leads to a jump ball, possession arrow goes San Diego State's way, and what do you think happened next? What typically happens when you give teams an extra possession, right? The three ball, you know it's coming. Sure enough, another San Diego State three pushes it out to 58-52 San Diego State, and really from there, it was... It felt like San Diego State was going to close this thing out emphatically, but give Alabama credit. We saw some moxie. We saw some of that championship makeup from the Crimson Tide. Gallion effort from Alabama late to cut it to two on the Sears lay-in with 45 seconds left. 
But where Alabama's guards were concerned, you were left to wonder where that had been. Where had the scoring been until it was too late on Friday night? And so in desperation mode down the stretch, Alabama puts its best five three-point shooters on the floor. But even then, you felt like there were maybe two guys of those five who were legit threats to knock down shots. And really, other than Quinterly and Sears for a bit on Friday night, UA just ran out of scoring production from its true guards down the stretch. It was a good season for Mark Sears. Really good season for the transfer. But he just seemed to run out of gas there over the last 10 to 15 games of the season. Found it again a little bit late, again, on Friday night. As far as Ryland Griffin and Namari Burnett, they just couldn't sustain their strokes from three-point range. And so there was going to come a time when this team's shelf life would come fully into question, especially if it were to involve a night where Brandon Miller wasn't in South Carolina mode, right? If he wasn't just going to be able to carry this team across the finish line. And who knows the extent that Brandon's growing situation truly impacted him because in those three NCAA tournament games, uh, he wasn't himself, especially in terms of offensive efficiency. And, and so, again, there was going to come a time when, when you were going to wonder about the sustainability of this team in a, in a six-game tournament. Uh, that query came Friday night in Louisville and UA without Miller, again, going South Carolina on the Aztecs. The Crimson Tide just didn't have the answer. And so the immediate reaction is to deduct from what this team accomplished this season. In the wake of such a disappointing defeat against a lower seed, you feel like, wow, that really takes away from what this team accomplished. But I think once that disappointment begins to dissipate, most Alabama fans will see it for what it was, a regular season SEC championship, an SEC tournament championship, a program-high 31 wins, a road win at number one Houston, a perfect home record for the 2022-2023 season, a top-five pick in Brandon Miller in the upcoming NBA draft with the potential for another first-rounder perhaps, in Noah Clowney, and that is where there is definitely some bittersweetness to that last part. It's hard to imagine there being another Brandon Miller in the program anytime soon, right? 6'9", can shoot it, handle it, pass it with either hand, a competitor, and a leader to boot, and just a freshman, amazingly. As for Clowney, he'll have a decision to make, but if it, he's even fringe lottery, he's got to go, doesn't he? I'm sure there will be hopeful message board banner, by the way, in the form of NIL perhaps keeping him around for another year. But that NBA first-round money is guaranteed, and another year of college ball doesn't get him any closer to his second contract. And while we're talking this freshman class, really, give Nate Oates and his staff a lot of credit. They knocked it out of the park where the roster additions were concerned, not just in terms of the signees for the 2022 class, like Miller, like Clowney, like Griffin and Bradley and Nick Pringle, but the addition of Mark Sears from the transfer portal. You know, Dom Welch, we never were able to truly gauge him in the season because he had the injury issue, so we perhaps will never truly know what he might have been in 2022-2023. Otherwise, the newcomers checked all the boxes, and with those guys in mind, We'll scan the roster real quick and hit on some potential scenarios for next year. And remember, you got coaching staff attrition too. 
Brian Hodgson moving over to Arkansas State as a head coach. Charlie Henry moving on to Georgia Southern as the next head coach of the Eagles men's basketball program. So as it sits on Friday night, Antoine Petway, Nate Oates, and a couple of new guys is what you're looking at right now anyway. As for the roster, let's go down that list right now. And again, there are some things that can still play out. As we know, it is a tumultuous time as far as roster management is concerned in college basketball. We'll start at the top of the roster. Jaden Bradley, um, starter for much of his freshman season, gave way to Javon Quinterly in the postseason. But future is still extremely bright for Jaden Bradley. As we know, a very physical point guard, a guy who can get into the paint, a great identifier of open teammates and also a great passer in terms of how he tees those guys up once he does locate them. I think for Jaden, not that he has to become a prolific three-point shooter, but he has to be good enough that teams feel like they have to defend him because, as we know, this is a team, the three-point shot, as it showed up again on Friday night, the inability to knock down even – you know, a mediocre number of shots in that regard proved really tough for Alabama against San Diego State. You have to be a threat, at least, to knock down shots. And I think he can be. I just don't think, as much as anything, that's what this team needed from him. Uh, but as the season wore down and you got into some of these second go-arounds with SEC teams, it became pretty evident that the approach was, we're going to play inside the three-point line against this guy. And if he knocks down a couple of threes, then maybe we'll come out and guard him. Reminds me of Bobby Hurley a little bit like that in terms of Hurley's development back in the day at Duke. And it's dated, I know, I'm an old fart. But Bobby Hurley went to Duke as really a facilitator and more of a retro point guard. And his evolution as a player really started when he began to knock down the open three. It didn't just help him. It helped Duke go on to win back-to-back national championships. So I think that's up first for Jaden Bradley. Uh, Mark Sears uh, with another year of eligibility. Uh, The transfer coming in from Ohio, as we talked about earlier, first half of the season was, I would say, uh, without argument, his his best basketball. So he's capable of it. Ryland Griffin, one of those freshmen, love that he's 6'5", love that he has the potential to guard multiple positions and a guy who has shown you that he can get hot from three, consistency from beyond the arc, obviously going to be a big part of his growth on the offensive end, can stand to add a little more bulk and strength. That's going to help him too, but he's also shown you he can be a dynamic finisher at the rim at times as well. Noah Gurley moving on, and credit Noah Gurley, right? Late in the season when it looked like he was pretty much the odd man out in the post, he was big. He was big again Friday night. Gave some offense there in the second half. Uh, He was one of those guys, too, that had a chance with a 50-50 ball. Uh, Ball got knocked loose. It was unfortunate, too, because it led to Clowney's fourth foul in the game. But uh, Gurley with some some solid contributions in a couple of years in the program. Uh, Javon Quinterly, we talked about Clowney having a decision to make. Javon Quinterly's got a decision to make in relation to professional basketball. And, uh, you know, this is a guy that didn't take part in senior night activity. So we'll see. Maybe you have a scenario where you get Javon Quinterly back to go along with Mark Sears and Jaden Bradley. I wouldn't necessarily bet on it, but 
I think it's a little more realistic than putting all your chips in the middle of the table on, say, Noah Clowney. And then you get into Dom Welch, who we talked about earlier. Unfortunately, the injury situation just really kept him from becoming a legitimate rotational option uh, through the course of the season. Charles Bediaco, what can you say about this guy? Another strong performance. Looked like Charles on Friday night was dealing with some health issues there in the second half, but uh, did some really good things, became much more of a consistent finisher around the rim on things not necessarily involving dunks. Now, you know, Charles isn't going to be a face-up guy. I think that's part of his growth, perhaps, moving forward, is to develop something of of that sort of game. But with the way Alabama likes to run the screen and roll action and at seven foot and loved how much more active he seemed to become on a consistent basis anyway in the way of the rebounding and keeping offensive possessions alive, whether it was with offensive boards or tip outs. Uh, some really good stuff from Charles Bediaco. We talked about Noah Clowney. Again, he's showing up in a lot of first-round mocks, anywhere from maybe lottery-ish uh, down into the 20s. Uh, he'll have a decision to make. Uh, he's a guy that's interesting because you do get Nick Pringle or you're set to get Nick Pringle back for another year. So those two guys are kind of tethered. If Clowney comes out, then Pringle is a big piece, you got to think, for 2023-2024 at 6'9 and 220 pounds. Brandon Miller, uh, all-timer. Uh, in my lifetime, I, I haven't seen a better basketball player at Alabama than Brandon Miller. So I've got him up there. Um, moving on to the NBA, no doubt about that. Namari Burnett as a sophomore. I think Namari coming off the knee injury is going to be a guy that is going to finish plays at the rim with more authority. You saw him get met at the rim on a dunk attempt in the first half on Friday night against San Diego State. I would be willing to bet that even in November of next season, that'll be a play that Namari Burnett will finish. I, I still felt like, yes, he was back from the knee injury, but was he all the way back from the knee injury? And I say that because at times, even defensively, where you love what he can bring from that standpoint at 6'4", I think he's going to be even better. I think as he gets a further removed from that knee injury, uh, I think the confidence is going to go up. I think the shooting percentage from three is going to go up, which is what you're going to be expecting from Namari Burnett. Uh, so there's there's reason for excitement there. So that's kind of a look at the roster as you move into the offseason with this Alabama basketball program. And also have to consider that as it sits right now, you got a top 15 recruiting class coming in consisting of four players, uh, not to the extent, obviously, of the 2022 class, but you know, a good-looking class on paper nonetheless, and you start right there at the top with length and shooting ability, right? Those are the things that you like to see uh, in Nate Oates' classes. Sam Walters of the Village's Charter School down there in Central Florida, 6'8". He is the nation's number 63 overall prospect when it comes to power forwards, and I think what you're going to see with Sam Walters is more of a guy who plays on the wing uh, the number four ranked player at his position for the class of 2023, Mohamed Diobate, coming out of Putnam Science Academy in Putnam, Connecticut, 6'7", 215. By all accounts, a real energy guy. 
uh, a guy that can bring you that versatility and that length that Nate Oates likes. You also have, from an in-state perspective, R.J. Johnson, a combo guard from Grissom High School there in Huntsville. 6'3", 190 pounds, has the look of a physical type of uh, combo guard and uh, a three-star uh, top 200 prospect for the 2023 cycle. And then here recently, Alabama picked up a late commitment from Chris Parker of Crossroad Academy in Quincy, Florida, a four-star, a top 100 nationally ranked small forward. So you're looking at 6'6", six, 6'7", six, 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 And now you got to remember, too, you got Davin Cosby already on the bench in the second half of the season because he reclassified to 2022 and enrolled at Alabama in January. So he's already in the program as a four-star shooting guard considered to be an elite shooter. With that, you head into the offseason optimistic that this program can be right back in this spot in a year's time. Not just relevant to NCAA tournament bid discussion, but the expectation being moving forward that Alabama will be a second weekend threat for the foreseeable future. By any measurement, that's called success. And that's going to do it. For instant analysis, following Alabama's 71-64 defeat at the hands of the San Diego State Aztecs in the Sweet 16 of the 2023 NCAA Men's Basketball Tournament. Stay tuned to Bama Online for more coverage of Alabama hoops. Hey, we got spring football. Plenty of that coming up for you on the horizon as well. Alabama softball, Alabama baseball. We got you covered at BamaOnline.com. And if you haven't subscribed to the Bama Online podcast, we certainly hope you will do that. Easy as a click or two. Wherever you consume pods, you're going to find the Bama Online Podcast. Leave us a rating and a review if you don't mind as well. That would help us out greatly. Travis Ryer, thanks again. And until next time, so long, everybody. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic and conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.